Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast. The podcast that explores the boundaries of our knowledge about the world of Fallout. Welcome back, everybody. We're back in the game. This is your host, Tom, or Robots, and I am headed south on 86B from the Wayward. And we're headed over to Flatwoods, and on the way there, you notice these barricades with Brotherhood symbols on it, and a few Brotherhood Initiate, Brotherhood Hopeful, Brotherhood Members. Now, what's interesting about this... Those old army ranks are meaningless. Is that, the well... Brotherhood is a new world order. Okay, yeah, they seem very excited about the Brotherhood. Uh, but what's interesting is they, they leave things around like this 38 round ammo that you can just pick up. Or this, uh, Blamco mac and cheese. And there's even, oh look, shotgun shells, 38 rounds, a pipe pistol in a bag. All of this stuff you can just take from them and they don't even say anything. Now, I don't know if that's because I've already done the Brotherhood content with this character, or if they're just always that nonchalant. I'm not sure. But it seems like a nice day out here in Appalachia. The sun is coming down. There's wind in the trees. Oh god, Mr. Farmhand. What are you doing over Mr. Farmhand? Alright, Mr. Farmhand. I don't what is this Mr. Farmhand doing so far away from the uh agriculture center? We come across a sign. It says, Welcome to Flatwoods, home of the green monster. That's a reference to the Flatwoods monster. As we continue into Flatwoods, there are a few houses along the way. Of course, there are things like mole rats that need to get popped with my shotgun. There is the big old sign here, the Green Country Lodge on the way in. And some more. <laughs> Some more mole rats. Uh, the Green Country Lodge, which looks like just a classic American motel. And I think I told this story on, was it Elder Scrolls last week? My mother-in-law likes to use the word motel for all hotels. So when I went to ESO in Vegas <laughs> a few weeks ago, she said, um, how is the motel? And it just broke my brain because the hotels in Las Vegas are about the furthest thing from a motel you could pro possibly uh, would be. Um, and then there's a little overpass. There's a, a roadway that heads. I guess what direction is that? It heads. Eh, this is 88B. It heads northwest as we get into Flatwoods. And then we get into kind of the center of the town. There are some nice looking houses along the edges. But as we get further in, we notice some more of these responder signs all over the place. There was one at the the sign on the way into town, and then there's more set up in these different locations. And a lot of these houses are all kind of barricaded, you can't get in some of them, but there are a number of features around them. For example, this, uh, it's kind of like just a gray looking garage with green on the roof and the, the garage door. To the right, before you get into the church, has a workbench, and oh, some bobby pins, look at that. And then, as we get in a little bit further, you can see the church with a big sign at the top that says Trading Post Survival Supplies Assistance with the Responders logo next to it. 
On the left, there's what used to be a bakery and then a gun shop and then a responder sign that says supplies. And as we pass the church, we see a red building with volunteers needed with a responder sign with two hands, a, a, a red hand and a blue hand. And as we walk in, we notice it says check in here, self-registration. This is where you sign up to become one of the responders to go through their quest lines and all of that. And this location used to be empty. There used to be nobody here. But since oh, one of the recent updates... She's the best guardian a girl could have. We have Heather Ellis. Heather is one of the responders and... Are you here for the responder training? You can talk to her. And you can answer that question with things like, as a matter of fact, I am. They must really have cared about helping people to set up a training program. Doesn't look like training saved any of them. Responder training or no, just passing through. Goodbye. Which I'll say in this case. Well, it was good to meet you. Be careful out there. And Heather has a dog named Chloe. Chloe's my pet. Or maybe in hers. I'm not sure. And Chloe, Chloe looks a little, a little worn. Chloe, uh, it looks like she was probably a wild dog and has some issues with uh, some discoloration on the nose and on her ears and around the face. But she looks like a good pup, right? You can hear her breathing. All right, so that's, this is where you sign up for the responders. Oh, and there's a, a Nuka-Cola Quantum over here, a recipe for sweet berry tea. How did I never pick this up before? I just learned this recipe. That's ridiculous. And some other supplies, just kind of around. Uh, you can hear the, the Brahmin out back. There are a lot of cows, well, Brahmin, well, used to be cows, uh, in and around this area. So if you need to collect any of the meat, then you have that option. If we head over to the church, it is no longer a church. This is a base of operations for, or was a base of operations for the responders. There is a responders database computer at the front. Uh, oh, some caps in the drawer. Medical, signs for medical stuff. You, you come here for a number of reasons during the main quest lines, but it's not a bad place to go if you want to just pick up a few extra supplies or... Trust your friend, Bob. A healthy water supply is vital to your survival. Or you can talk with Bob, the volunteer bot, here in the back and do some trading, turning some stuff in. If you head behind Bob, there is a diagnostics terminal, which is one of those machines that looks a little bit different from the other computers. Most of the computers you see in Fallout look like, eh, like 1970s maybe? computer terminals where the screen and the keyboard are all built into the same box. This looks like a typewriter with a screen on it. And this is where you're going to go do some of your uh, analysis of some of the uh, specimens you collect during some of the quest lines for this area. And then there's a chemistry station off to the side. And of course in the back, a lot of these churches all have the same design where there's this skinny stairway in the back that heads up to this extra section up high in the church. And you can find uh, an, a not cleaned up responder corpse, another chemistry station, some desks and some other things and of course there's a walkway that goes around the perimeter of the upside uh, there's some rad roaches in here uh, aluminum scraps uh, some other caps and items in a box and then you go up the winding stairway 
all the way up to the roof. And up here, you will find a teddy bear holding a wrench stuck to the side of this railing with another teddy bear that is dangling uh, from the railing. <laughs> I don't know what this is supposed to represent. If you know, let me know. In the cooler, there's the survivor story of Colonel and a sleeping bag. This was clearly somebody's uh, little hangout location, it seems. But this is, this is Flatwoods. And if we head back down from this area, there's a little bit more of the town to explore. You can head... Oh, I just jumped off. Oh, that hurt a little bit. Ah, nothing a Stimpak can't fix. Alright, so if you head off and continue to uh, the south side of town, then you can see that there are some more outside areas that the responders set up with some tents and some tables, some other supplies strewn about. And then you get to some more of the houses and kind of run down trailers and things on the edges of town. And there's a few other stories that go along with some of the individuals in these locations. You can find their, uh, their remains and little bits of, of stories about them, but that's not why we're here today. Also, if you head down far enough to the south, you get to what is usually a ghoul-infested uh, gas station. Take them out real quick. Oh, they're just exploding. They're just exploding today. They're popping. What was that? Did you hear that? It was like a ow. Ugh. If you go into this gas station, there is a vault tech stash box on the right. I think this is probably the first stash box that I uh, remember coming across. It's it's right there inside this little location, and then in the back there is a tinker's workbench. So. This is a great location if you were just looking for lots of basic supplies, workbenches to build things on if you don't have a camp yet, if you're new to the game. Uh, even Mr. Handy Fuel is out here in the back. And then there's also a little farm just uh, just to the west of that location with some plants growing. Silt beans and mutt fruit and, of course, mole rats. Coming out of the ground, they're gonna get gonna get blown up. Uh, some uh, garden gnomes all over this place. And if we head, if we continue heading to the west, then we get to the other edge of this town. There are the leftover sections of some tents and things that people had been staying at, and the ghouls that are now here and now inhabit this space. And if we continue heading west, we're gonna see more of those. Mr. Farmhands. And hear that? Automated warning to all responders. Mr. Farmhands are out of control. Evacuate civilians. And take down those supervisors. Once they're dealt with, you'll have to reboot the server. Again. This is the Vault Tech. Oh, I'm getting shot. Agricultural Center. Agricultural Research Center. We're not going to stay in here and, be and beat all these uh, robots up. There's a malfunction that happens here, and there's an interesting story that goes along with what's going on there. This is, notice it's labeled Vault-Tech Agricultural Research Center. And oh, the Mr. Mr. Farmhands are chasing me. So I'm gonna keep running away. This location is interesting because, as we know, with Fallout 76, this area didn't get bombed. There were people living here for a few decades after the Great War. 
and there were different groups who the, the responders the the free states the uh the brotherhood there were different groups that had formed and were vying for survival fighting back against raider groups and all of that we've talked about a lot of that on previous episodes of the show but even during that time there was also still a governmental structure over the area including a mayor and the mayor had plans with how he was going to do things in order to well still make things nice for himself including working with specific other organizations that were still doing things in the area all right so let's take a quick break go thank our patrons and we will be back with more details about what's actually going on here General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. All right, here we are, and we have some new patrons to welcome to the Patreon. Welcome, Germinator, Polaris, Caleb S., James W., Chip G., and Josh G. Welcome to the Patreon. Thank you for signing up. I hope you are enjoying the ad-free episodes and all the other stuff that you're getting, depending on what tier you are at. Thank you so much for being here. And we have to shout out our tier 5 sentry bots, Cooper, Dylan R, Germinator, Larry D, Mark C, and that's it. <laughs> for some reason, I thought there was one more. Um, thank you so much for your support. I couldn't do this without you, and you really do make this show possible. So if ever you're wondering if this is helpful, absolutely. You are part of what allows me to do this and the other shows that I do as a full-time job, and I couldn't tell you how much that has meant to me and changed my life. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, we have a new review here. Oh, by the way, if you want to go check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. It's pretty easy to get to. Uh, we have some new reviews. Actually, this one new review this week from Trick1125 in the United States who writes, great podcast for Fallout lovers. I have played Fallout for a while now and have played all the games except for Tactics and Brotherhood. Right now, I am playing Fallout 2 and plan to play Tactics when I get done. I've only been listening for about a year and it helped only a year <laughs> and it helped me get through a boring job many times. But with that being said, I don't have the patience to find all the lore in the games, but robots makes it easy to understand and listen to. So it helps me get more understanding of the world of Fallout trick. Thank you so very much. And I'm, I'm not making fun of you uh, only listening for a year. Sometimes we get actually what what tends to be common is is when somebody lists how long they've been listening. They say something like I've only been listening for a few weeks, but or something like that. So it, it just hit me as a little bit funny that it was like only for a year, which is in stark contrast to most of those other comments. But I'm so glad you've been around for a year. Thank you for taking the time to do this. It helps a ton. And uh, also, if you are interested in getting your words read out on a future episode, Head over to Apple Podcasts. Even if you have an account but don't listen there, you can still leave a five-star review with some words I'll read out in the future. If you listen on Spotify, you can rate it five stars on there. You can also comment about the things you liked about the episodes. All of that is super helpful and super, uh, super nice of you, to be honest. It really does make my day. So thank you to everybody for your support. Let's move on with the rest of the show. If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them. All right, we're back. Now... When you first get to this Vault-Tec Agricultural Research Center, you'll notice there's mostly just a bunch of robots running amok all over the place. 
And then you take care of that, you fix it, and you put it back together, everything seems fine. But what's the deal with this location? Vault Tech is now associated with agricultural research. What's going on here? So there are a few things we do know about this location. And according to the wiki, it says a pre-war facility established to experiment with crop automation and fertilization. The agricultural center was one of the major landmarks in the small town of Flatwoods. The fleet of Mr. Farmhands, which were customized Mr. Handy robots, would automatically take care of crops, fertilizing them, planting seeds, and collecting the harvest with barely any need for human oversight. While the Great War put the facility offline, it was reactivated and restored to partial operation by McFadden in a bid to aid starving survivors. McFadden had no technical expertise and was unable to achieve much beyond simply reactivating the robots with help from the responders. He continued his work, but his lack of skill culminated in the farmhands going rogue and the Protectron handy overseers turning the robots loose on anyone who would breach the facility's perimeter. So we know a few things from this. It is a pre-war facility that was built to do food cultivation for vault tech interesting okay why would they need an external facility to do agricultural research and cultivation for vaults that were not located here vault 76 is a little ways away but nobody was living there so they didn't need the food so what's going on with that also who is this mcfadden person so what we do know about mcfadden is that in April of 2093, so this is 15 years after the Great War, he was dealing with friends and family who were starving and so decided to head over to this facility in order to try to get it to run, get to work, and then try to work with the responders who gave him a fusion core to restart the generator. Even with all of that, because of his limited knowledge, he wasn't very capable in getting this facility up and running. Now, we do have a log here that shows us the details, at least in a little better detail. Um, details in a little, little better detail. All right, so let's go to 4393. The first entry from McFadden says, Facilities all busted, tried restarting the generator, but fusion core spent. Every able-bodied soul is busy fighting, not growing crops. The people need this. Three months later, the responders came through with a fusion core, plugged it in, the whole place lit up. What a sight. But all the Mr. Farmhands are chunks of metal or hunks of metal. And then uh, a few more months later, this is now January of 94, heard we lost a battle near Grafton, got to get the farming up before it's too late. People are starving out there. Got one farmhand online. All the VT terminals were fried having to figure this out on my own. This is taking him months because now it has been nine, eight, nine months that he's been here and still only one Mr. Farmhand is online. Five months after this, we're now in June. Finally, success. The whole fleet of Mr. Farmhands are up and idling, but they won't move. Just got their vocal circuits back online. Keep complaining about fertilizer. Just plant the seeds. Any yield at all is better than nothing. So we can't seem to get them to do anything, even though they're running. And then in November, we get the final entry, which says, got into the central memory thing for the farmhands, running out of options. I'm not a robot tech, so I'm doing the best I can. I haven't heard from anybody, not even Marge, but if anyone's out there, they'll need food. 
just got access to the core settings. I'll fiddle with the fertilizer settings. Maybe if I set it to zero, they'll just start planting. And then nothing. That's it. That's about all we know. Now, outside of a terminal, we have some correspondences between uh, him and Marge, Marjorie. And there's one in particular that he notes, uh, Marge, I miss you and the boys more than life. Don't think I'm a coward. I'm using what God gave me to help the only way I can. This agricultural center is a chance to feed all the people. I'll get it done. I'm close. I can feel it. McFadden. So it seems that Marjorie was the wife would be the guess here. It seems implied, but he never seemed to quite accomplish what he was trying to do and failed at this. And we don't know where these people are anymore or if they even survived. Now, there are some other individuals in this town that are of note. There is the Reverend Dilbert Winters, who was the reverend of the church. And you can find Reverend Winters body in the game. And we know what he uh, sounds like because of a holotape. Reverend Delbert Winters here, born and raised in this very town. Let my own church to the responders for their outpost here. And uh, you're welcome. So clearly he was another survivor who made it through the Great War and had worked during that time, probably about 15 years after the bombs dropped in order to up supply things for the uh, the responders. So this town had people living in it. There were people here and they lived here for a good while until all of the tragic situations kind of came to a head in Appalachia, which caused the scorch plague and either killed everybody or ran everybody off. Now, I mentioned this earlier. There is still a little bit more going on with this facility. We have in the daily quest for uh, Refuge Daily Code Blue, we have some memos, some logs and memos about the specific agricultural research facility at Flatwoods. And the first one is a governor's memo from Governor Evans. Here's what it says. Per decree of the West Virginia Board of Medicine, effective 30 days from now, your resident veterinarian, Dr. Elizabeth Cohen, will be expected to report in for cross-training in human medicine. Please pass along our thanks. In addition to this field guide to human medicine, we've put together in anticipation of any questions or concerns she may have regarding this transition. Thank you for your complete cooperation. This is from the governor's office. So this leads us to understand that there's still a governor in place and these kinds of decisions are being made in order for the safety of the people of Appalachia. It can be assumed that this is not something that happened pre-war. This is something that happened after the war, probably in the 90s, similar time frame or just before the events that we've heard about in those other audio logs. Then we have some personal logs from Dr. Elizabeth Cohen, log number one from the desk of Dr. Elizabeth Cohen, DVM. My parents always joke when I became an animal doctor because I can't make sense of people. I laugh and shrug it off. I like people just fine, lying right through my teeth. But my patients, I understand them very well. With every limp, whimper, or pained glance, they tell me everything I need to know. She's obviously talking about animals here. People, on the other hand, never say what they mean, even if they're sick, especially then. Talking to people feels like talk taking a test I forgot to study for, like appearing on a game show where I always managed to pick the wrong door. 
So God forbid the West Virginia Board of Medicine has their way, because if so, then soon many of the sick and wounded of Appalachia will have their limbs amputated by a large animal veterinarian with steady hands and zero tact. The war is getting close to home. They're saying not enough human physicians to go around. They want us to leave our farms and animal hospitals to treat patients who talk and who expect us to talk back. There's no telling if the governor will agree to this so-called strategy, but for now, all I can do is wait and work. Mom and dad called last night to see how I was holding up. Yes, I told them I like people just fine. Log number two, the hospital's field guide for non-traditional doctoring came in the mail today, along with the schedule they made for me. Tomorrow at 7 a.m., I'll put on a white coat covered in dog fur, wear a stethoscope around my neck that is too small to hear the sounds of human hearts, and do my level best to pass myself off as happy to serve my country. After lunch, I went to wash my face and nearly threw up. Amelia came to nuzzle my ankles, and a few seconds later, she quivered and then vomited enough for both of us. Her way of showing solidarity, I guess. In vet school, I once asked why cats do that so often, hacking up their spleen at a moment's notice. In all my years of practicing veterinary medicine, I never did learn the answer. But ever since the mail arrived this morning, I'm starting to see the appeal. You can see that she doesn't want this position, and this must be fairly early after the bombs dropped. It goes on. There's the third log here. Six months of hell. That's what I told myself last week. 181 days of what would be medical malpractice if the State Board of Medicine still bothered to answer the phone. Sometimes I'm amazed at how no one, not one patient or anyone in their facility, has caught on to the fact that I was not trained for this, not meant for this. I've spent every one of these of those days, waiting, hoping, if I'm honest, to be caught, outed, sent back to where I've told myself I belong. But last week, one of my patients took a final turn for the worse. I've learned a lot about human medicine over the last half year, including the fact we're not supposed to have favorite patients. But how can I help it? Didn't we already fly right past playing by the rules when they brought me here in the first place? He was the kindest man you'd ever met, fighting as hard as anyone I'd ever seen through the nausea, searing pain and aches, and every other side effect of the treatment meant to prolong his life, the kind of agony we wouldn't even think of putting an animal through. Every time I've seen him, I could take x-rays, give him good news, and chat with him as easily as an old friend. But this last time, he already knew it before I told him, the cancer had found its way out of his bones into his brain. That's okay, he said, smiling the same gentle smile that he'd been improving. I reckon I'm just about ready anyway. Ready for what? I genuinely wanted to know. For the rest of it. For all my complaining, my six months of hell doesn't hold a candle to his. Time to go to work. And this is interesting. We get these logs, and of course there's tragedy here, there's there's sorrow, there, the kinds of things that you see in Fallout. But it doesn't end with her life ending. It doesn't end with something tragic that fills in the gaps. It's more of a insight into what people were doing in the extremes that they were living under in order to just survive. It's an interesting insight. Now, we probably can draw some conclusions by the fact that there's no fourth log. There's no other correspondence here from Elizabeth Cohen. And I don't think that as far as I can tell, we have any other information about who she is or where she was or when she died. And these logs in particular don't have dates on them. 
So this was probably before the facility was empty and before the events of the uh, 90s that we've read about recently with some of the other logs. So there is one other detail here. There's a mention of a governor and the governor's approval of all of this and specifically an act, an act of legislature called the Appalachian Prosperity Act. And so we can dig into this a little bit to give us more insight into the time frame of what was happening and when. According to the Appalachian Prosperity Act, it was a ballot measure in Appalachia sponsored by Governor Evans. This is the same governor that she mentions in her logs, bankrolled by the Citizens for Automation Fund. It proposed a bond of $2.6 billion with the funds used to initiate and support the process of full automation of the Appalachian state and local governments with the ultimate goal of phasing out all human workers by 2087. So we can't assume here that this was written in 2087. This must have been before that. And most of the time when you have some sort of legislature like this, they shoot for 10, 20 years in the future, something like that. 2087 would be 10 years after 2077, which is when the bombs dropped. So the year that the bombs dropped, and this is not hard and fast, we don't have dates on this, but we can make assumptions that some of the automation that we see in the game in Appalachia, places like this agricultural center mostly being run by a bunch of robots. This also connects to things like the automation of the mines, which we talked about before, and the reason why you can still see strike posters and locations around the map. Also, this ties into the presence of other companies in the area who would have been very smart to take advantage of this act like Robco or Hornwright Industrial. It also plays into the fact that Watoga is almost 100% run by bots, by robots, all because of this Appalachian Prosperity Act. So this starts to fill in the gaps on why there's so much robotic automation in the area and why the robots are broken and falling apart in different locations, but also why locations like this vault tech facility, this agricultural research center has mostly robots in it. And it all ties back to this governor, Governor Evans. And we'll dig more into Governor Evans in the future. But this is the town of Flatwoods. These are the things that we can discover here and the evidence we have for some of the events and the way things played out right before and then just after the Great War. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. It's a little bit different than usual. Let me know your thoughts and thank you for being here. Have a wonderful week and I will see you next time. To plug into everything else we're doing, check out robotsradio.net. Reach out to me on Twitter at robots underscore radio. Check out the Robots Radio Rocket Club where you can join me and a bunch of our other creators creating your podcast, starting a new podcast or helping your current podcast grow. There's more information about that on robotsradio.net as well. And you can always talk with us and the entire community, over 2,000 people on the Robots Radio Discord. Come join us. We'd love to chat with you. See you guys next time.